Welcome to Holotis Hills United Methodist Church. We are a vibrant spiritual community learning to love God, love others, and serve the world. I am Randy Wilkinson, and I am glad to welcome you to worship today. As Christ welcomed us with open arms and a loving heart, we too welcome you. Wherever you have been, whatever you have done, no matter your past or present, you have a future. Christ came, lived, and died to ensure that future. Now, if you're a first-time guest here, we let us, could you let us know by filling out this blue card, and then you can drop it in the offering box when you leave. We are a praying church, and you will find one of these prayer request cards in the pew pocket. Uh, if you'll fill them out also, you can drop them in the offering box when you leave. One other thing in the pew box, you'll see a QR code. If you would like an electronic bulletin, you can use your smart device, which is smarter than most of us, to click on the QR code and you will be transported to the webpage where you will find the bulletin, prayer request, and other information about our church and ways to give your tithes and offerings. Now we have a few announcements this morning about what is going on in the life of this church. We will be holding a pumpkin patch planning meeting on Sunday, September the 4th, at 12.30 p.m. in the park building. Jill Hampel and Susan Flores will be leading our efforts to have the best pumpkin patch ever for the community and to the glory of God. Please join them after service on September the 4th to help serve. Now I'll call on J.B. Briggs to come up. He's going to have a moment of mission. He's going to tell us about the pumpkin patch, things related to the pumpkin patch, and all the work that we see happening around outside, especially right outside the doors. J.B. Get my eyes on here so I can see. Good morning, everyone. How are we all doing today? Good. All right. Is everyone enjoying the slightly cooler weather and the possible rain we have coming? Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have another question for you this morning. What is our primary purpose, our primary mission as followers of Jesus? I believe it is to love. I believe it is to reflect the love of Jesus to our world. Jesus told us, actually commanded us, to love one another as we love ourselves. Jesus also shared the parable of the prodigal son with us. In this parable, one son takes his leave of the family, takes his portion of his future inheritance, and blows all his money on wild living. When he's destitute, he finally comes back rather sheepishly to his father, hoping to at least be taken back as a servant in his father's household. He is met with overwhelming love. His brother is a bit resentful at first, and the father talks with him explaining what love means and that he's always known and lived in the light and warmth of love. Now his brother has finally returned to this love. There's so much of this story. What a story of true love. In this spirit of God's love, we look forward to our upcoming pumpkin patch. We are all sinners. All of us have fallen short of the glory God has given us. Yet we are all loved with an overwhelming, all-encompassing love from our Father in heaven. We are called to share this love with our neighbors, to share God's love with all who come into our pumpkin patch. The pumpkin patch is not just a money-making fundraiser for our church. 
That's not even the primary purpose, not even the primary reason we have the pumpkin patch. The main purpose of the pumpkin patch is to do outreach to our local community, to grow our congregation by reaching out to the unchurched and to those seeking a new church home, those whom have recently moved into our area, by being a welcoming congregation and community of Christians. The trustees of our church want all of us to use the pumpkin patch as a unique tool to reach out and touch someone with love. As one of those trustees of our church, I'm telling you, we want to use this and other programs we put forth to further Jesus' church. We are not an exclusive private club. We are an open, expanding church, actively striving to bring more people into the fold of our Good Shepherd's flock. As such, we are purposefully not going to set up a structure that has one sole purpose, that of a pumpkin patch hut, in our church's front courtyard. We recognize we had an overly enthusiastic member who out of love, true love, wanted to build such a structure to make things easier during pumpkin patch. What transpired cut against all of our traditions and procedures, and in particular cut out the very important aspect of building a church-wide consensus for something like this. Plus, we have run into building permit issues with the city of Holotus. We'll be cleaning up the excess material from in front of our sanctuary, and then we will use the current structure as a temporary frame for a basic tent. We'll be placing some tarts over the top, creating a shade structure that won't blow down in high winds. At the end of October, when pumpkin patch is over, we will remove this structure in its entirety. The, the trustees agree it would be nice if we had a permanent structure we could use during pumpkin patch. But we need something that's big enough to be used for other things as well, such as church picnics, small weddings, Easter sunrise services, Sunday evening worship services, prayer pavilion. And we don't believe it should block the front of our sanctuary. Over the next few months, we'll be presenting all of you with a plan that takes all of these concerns into account. We'll also be seeking your input Whatever we end up doing will be a church-wide decision. The structure that was underway is approximately 120 square feet. We're looking to present you with a structure that will be somewhere between 750 square feet and 1,200 square feet. But again, we will be actively seeking your permission and input as we go forward. We're so looking forward to Pumpkin Patch this year. We hope and pray all of you will become involved as volunteers in some fashion or other. We will be needing 165 volunteers or more, so there's plenty for you to get involved with. Maybe saying prayers over the loaves of pumpkin bread as they come out of the oven. Maybe working as a contact in the patch itself for one two-hour shift. Whatever you want, we will need. If any of you have any further questions or just want to share something with me, I will be around after today's service. Thank you. And now our wonderful director of Christian education, Jesse, would like to get, make a few announcements. Hi, everyone. 
How are we all doing now? We're all good. Business is always business, right? And it can be difficult, especially when we have a lot of voices in it. But we didn't have business yesterday. The youth group yesterday had their last youth day. We had a pool party at Michelle Lynch's in-law's house. And I didn't know that you could make a grandparent's like Disneyland in your backyard, but they've accomplished it. And the kids had a fantastic time. They were in the pool. They were on the trampoline. They were climbing up into the clubhouses and stuff. And the youth had a great time, too. Those were my kids doing all that. The youth had a fantastic time, too, hanging out in the pool. And it was fantastic over the summer to see the friendships build and grow uh, between the youth that we have here at the church. So I wanted to thank everybody who has supported our youth days and who has come out to them for doing so. We've had a lot of fun. And we will have more announcements on what our youth will be doing this fall coming soon. So stay tuned, right? Check your website, check your Facebook page, listen to announcements, read highlights, because we love putting stuff in highlights. They're there for you so we can communicate. Um, thank you. Thank you, Jesse. Today's scripture reading is from Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, and I believe it's on page 888 of your pew Bible. Come to me, all you who are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble at heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we have come to worship you today. We bring our whole selves to praise you. You know us and love us. You know that we bring our heavy burdens with us. You invite us to give our burdens to you and you promise that you will give us rest. Today, Lord, we give you our burdens and cares. We seek to learn from you in your gentle teaching. We seek rest for our weary souls. Refresh us, we pray. Enable us to leave our burdens at the cross and remind us that we leave this place. We need never pick up our burdens ever again. We pray with gratefulness and relief. Amen. At this time, we'd like to let, invite the kiddos forward for backpack blessings, but not just the kiddos. Anybody who is returning to the school year, if you have brought your backpack and would like to bring it forward, or your wallet, or your briefcase, or your purse, all my teachers out there. We would love to have you come forward. Good morning, everyone. <laughs> we are all children at heart, and we're all children of God. All right. I'm going to set these right here. We'll put one over here, too. And we're going to put one in the middle, okay? We're going to miss, uh, Pastor Cheryl has created some blessings for us today, and we're going to read those, and we'll put our tags on our bag. Is that cool? Yeah? All right. Today we have before us backpacks to be carried to and from school by the children and youth and adults as they go to school. These backpacks will hold work to be done, books to be studied, homework to be completed. Can you name some of the things that will be used for your schoolwork that will be put in your bag. What are you guys putting in your bags? Pencils, Pencils? what else? Erasers. Gigantic erasers. <laughs> Maybe shaped like pizza. What was that? Crayons. 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 What else? What do the grown-ups put in their bags? Highlighters. 
Laptop, caffeine, maybe, snacks, <laughs> books. I bet there's some music in these backpacks because I know there's several musicians up here. You have glue in yours? Drew's starting kindergarten this year, and I know he's super excited, right? Can, right, Drew? Yeah. All right. Some days your bags will be filled with so much stuff, it may even be hard to walk. Other days they may be light and nearly empty. But remember that every day your bag will hold the blessings of God in our church. We have these tags. You guys can start passing them out behind you. They're behind you, and there's one up here, Jonathan. Sorry. Um, the tags are to remind you that wherever you are, God is with you. There's um, a verse on the tags. Actually, there are six verses on the tags, and I believe the right one will find you. Um, but one of the ones we're going to highlight is the same one we used last year that many of you have memorized over the year. It's Joshua 1.9, and it says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So as you leave here today and you have your tag on there, whenever you see it, think of us behind you. Think of God standing right next to you, blessing you during your school year, even you, Kathy. <laughs> so let us pray. Glorious God, we lift to you these students and teachers and school administrators gathered here today. They are ready to receive your blessings as they commit themselves to study and learning during the school year ahead. We ask your blessing on each one. And God, we also ask your blessing on these backpacks and bags that these students who carry these backpacks may be reminded of your love and care and the prayers and care of this congregation that surrounds them every school day. We pray as well for the teachers and administrators in our schools that they may also be sustained by your blessings. Remind them that you will be teaching their and directing their lives and that you will love them through the school year and bless their call to teaching and learning. Surround all with your love and care as well. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus, whom we seek to follow day by day. And all God's children said amen. 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 All right, we're going to exit out the side for spark worship. Bye, kids. Have fun at spark worship. And I bet Jesse will have extra tags in case you are somebody who needs some extra blessings during the school year. I put one on my computer bag as well. My name is Cheryl Broom, and I'm the pastor here at Helotus Hills United Methodist Church, and as is your weekly habit, we like to lift prayers before the people of God. And so if you'll raise your hand, Monty will come forward with a microphone. If you don't mind giving your name and telling us who you are and, and what your prayers are, we will pray for you during this service. We will pray for you on our Monday night prayer meeting. And we will also share with Susan, who is the lead of our confidential prayer team for Facebook. So you are getting a lot of prayers. I feel like the Holy Spirit is going to just come down and set us on fire today. I, that is my prayer for this church. Also, let us lift all students and teachers, administrators, and parents as they begin a new school year. Lord, hear our prayer. Especially, we're praying for Thornton and Wonky Elementary Schools because that's where we host our backpack ministry. We pray for God's blessings upon our team, ministry team that prepares that to serve the need of hungry children. Lord, hear our prayers. Anybody want to give a prayer of thanks for the rain? Amen. Lord, hear our prayers. 
prayers for all who are facing difficult times with their health or finances and even their faith. Lord, hear our prayers. Let us take just a few seconds in the silence of our own heart and minds to go before God. Lord our God, you faithfully call us to experience your love, your healing, your grace. Too often we believe that we can handle everything without your help. We don't want to trouble you with unnecessary burdens. We refuse your generous invitation to rest in Christ. Forgive us when we find our hope outside of your grace. Forgive us when we say no to your invitation to be made well. Show us your mercy and power that we may once more believe. Show us your undeniable grace that we might be saved from hardship and toil. Grow us into the image of Christ that we might shine your light for others who desperately need you too. Today, dear Lord, we once again say yes to you as we open our hearts and our minds to receive the gift of your grace. And we pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, who taught his disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. All right, everybody take a deep breath, shake it off. We're going to play a little game of Bible Jeopardy. All right. Da, 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 da. Okay, lands of the Bible for 500. Listen to these clues. This city was one of the oldest continuously lived in city for more than 3,000 years. Its emblem is the lion, a wall, and olive branch. Over the course of history, it has had more than 70 names, has been conquered 40 times, and has survived over 100 battles. Do you know the name of the city? Yes, Jerusalem. That's how you say it in Hebrew. Jerusalem. It is uh, a city where I couldn't believe the luck that I had that I was selected from our seminary group to travel to Jerusalem. It was amazing. It was a trip with a bunch of other pastors, and we got to travel all throughout Israel in the old city. How many of you have been to Jerusalem? I see a couple. Going to Jerusalem makes the Bible come alive for us. And the experience that you have can almost be overwhelming. So we were there about 10 days, and it was towards the end of our trip, and it was a Sunday. And we decided, Pastor Chris and I, that we were going to go to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre for a Latin service at 7.30 in the morning. I don't know why. So we go to Latin service, and as we're sitting there, we don't know a word in the Missalette. And we kept turning the page, and there was a nun next to us, and she'd hand us her book. And we'd hand her ours, and we'd get lost. She'd hand us her book. It was really an amazing time, not knowing the language, but knowing that they were talking about Christ. And in the holiest of places. Later that day, Chris and I decided to wander the streets of Jerusalem. We ended up at the Church of St. Anne's 
Do you know that church? St. Anne is reportedly Mary, mother of Jesus, mother. And so um, during uh, Alexander's time, a church was built there called St. Anne's. And it is also at the same site as the pool of Bethsaida. It's true. And so historically, this is the real place that we read about in our Bible story today. When we got to the church of St. Anne's in the Pool of Bethsaida, Chris was so excited that, and there was hardly anybody there. I mean, like, we were almost the only ones there. She runs over to the pool, which is dug deeply now, being excavated, goes around the ropes, and heads down into the Pool of Bethsaida. It's true. After about an hour down there, I yelled down, Chris, pick up your mat, come on. It's time to go. Let's go to page 970 in your pew Bible, and let's read the story of another visit to this ancient pool of Bethsaida. Page 970. We're looking at John chapter 5, and I'm going to read verses 2 through 9 to you if you have your Bible open. Now, in Jerusalem, by the Sheep Gate, there was a pool called in Hebrew Bethsaida which has five porticos. In these lay many ill, blind, lame, and paralyzed people. One man was there who had been ill for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be made well? The ill man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me in the pool. And when the water is stirred up, while I'm making my way, someone else steps down ahead of me. Jesus said to him, stand up, take up your mat, and walk. And at once the man was made well. He took up his mat and began to walk. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. In ancient Jerusalem, this was a gathering place for the lame and the blind and the paralyzed and the sick and the disabled, and the nameless, lying motionless. And the Bible teaches us that this site was a place for healing and grace. Beth, you know, like in Bethlehem, that word Beth means house. And Zeda means healing or grace. So Beth Zeda was a place where invalids would go and hang out. And they waited there, ever watchful for a sign, a sign of the stirring of the water, Remember, this was on the Sabbath that they were there. And many people thought, well, they could have been home resting, replenishing their spirit, worshiping Yahweh. But here they were at this pool. It was not known as a place of beauty. It was a place of sickness and yet a place of hope. Great numbers came there hoping for a miracle, a cure, hope. Let's just think about that word a minute. For there is great power in the word hope. As long as we have hope, we can overcome any obstacle. We can recover from anything, from everything. But if we lose hope, all is lost. Hope is an emotion that springs forth from our heart, not our head. And it supplies us when we most need it, laying dormant until you need some hope. The people who came to the Pool of Bethsaida, well, they came for hope, believing that their situation could get better. To understand the power of hope, you've got to know that hope is not a wish, like, oh, I wish that this happened to me. No, hope is a deep belief 
It is the knowledge that things will get better. It is a belief. It's the belief that after a disaster, when your home and your car and your possessions, everything material is lost, you still have your family and your health, and you can start over. Hope is the steadfast determination of a cancer patient who is fighting, believing that a cure will eventually come. Hope is the person who lost their job, who has a family to support and knows that new employment is just around the corner if you just keep trying. Hope is the champion of a survivor in the bleakest of times. Do you have hope? Hope's not a warm, fuzzy feeling. It is the support, unshakable foundation of our beliefs. And the spiritual power of hope can help you overcome anything, any trial. It's a lifeline from God. In the Pool of Bethsaida, that was a place of hope. This day, gathered, waiting, hoping for mercy and healing, the crowds by the pool, it was packed with sick and disabled people, hundreds of people resting around the edge, hoping for divine intervention. They believed that the stirring of the water meant that the angel of God was present and would heal them. But here's the thing. Once the water stirred, only the first person into the pool was healed. One day at the pool was a 38-year-old paralyzed man laying in waiting and hoping. Apparently, he was there alone. He had no friends, no family there to help him. And there he laid, unhealed, by the side of the pool. I wonder, how did he maintain his hope? I mean, he was paralyzed. He couldn't get himself into the water without help. And yet there he was, hoping and waiting. And yet, when the angel of water stirs, he waited always being pushed aside, never making it into the pool. I'm not sure why Jesus was diverted that day, that he went into the pool of Bethsaida, hung out maybe by the colonnade, looking around, surveying the situation, seeing all the people. And I bet you those people did not know that the Son of God was there that day at the pool of Bethsaida, watching them. And as the water stirred, think about the people crying out loud, here I am, heal me, help me, take me to the water. Don't leave me like this. Jesus knew what they needed. He knew that the 38-year-old man had a crushing need. He would not, he did not pass by that man. And as Jesus watched in compassion, Jesus knew that that man had been there a long time. He knew he was disabled. He knew he was unable to get himself into the pool by himself. And Jesus approached him and asked a question. Do you want to be made well? The man said, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water stirred. And when I am making my way, someone else steps ahead of me. Perhaps the thought occurred to the man Maybe the stranger will help me. He looks tough enough. He can probably carry me down to the pool's water. He looks strong. And then maybe his thought was quickly replaced by another. Why is he asking me this question? Why has he singled me out before the others? Why not someone else? Why not someone worse off than me? 
why me? He couldn't have known that Jesus was aware of his 38-year affliction. He didn't know that Jesus knew how hard he had tried to find healing. And now he was at the end of himself, wondering, have I misplaced my hope in these waters of the Pool of Bethsaida? He didn't know that the man standing over him knew everything about him. All the paralyzed man knew was that this stranger asked him a pretty strange question. Do you want to be made well? Now, what a weird question, right? I mean, here he was at the Pool of Bethsaida, laying there. Of course he wanted to be, held, be healed. Why else would he be there? His only dilemma was, how am I going to get down to the water in time? He was about to find out that this stranger was the only one who could help him. We need to know when we come to the end of our resources, when we feel like the whole world is against us, that Jesus is very near. The man waiting for divine intervention, aren't we all waiting for divine intervention? And Jesus asked, do you want to be made well? Do you want to be healed? This question supposes that we have some say in the matter of our own healing. Apparently, wanting to be healed goes a long way toward being healed. And yet, sometimes people resist healing. Maybe it's because they've built an identity or an attachment to the very thing that needs God's blessing, that needs God's healing light and love and hope and grace. Do you want to be made well? Jesus asked then, and he asked us still today. Yeah, Jesus even wants us today to be hope-filled people, released from every burden that we bear, anything that prevents us from living fully for God. And that may mean that we have to let go, let go of painful feelings of anger or fear or doubt or rage or embarrassment or lack of worth that we might be fully loved by God, Christ is able to release us from every burden, any burden that we want to have released. And then the stranger said to him, stand up, take your mat and walk. And then scripture says this, at once the man was made well and he took up his mat and he began to walk. And then he left. That's kind of anticlimactic for the end of the story, isn't it, Carol? Don't you want to hear the rest of the story? Okay. As Paul Harvey used to say, for those of you who know Paul Harvey, he was a radio personality, he used to say, and now the rest of the story. The former invalid stood without missing a beat, doing what the stranger told him to do. He stood up, mat in hand, and he walked maybe a few faltering steps, and then he stood in awe and in amazement. He was upright. He was walking, not dragging his body around as dead weight. Those who were crowded around him had been listening and watching and whispering, staring at him in disbelief, pointing at the man. The former invalid looked down in the mirror-like stillness of the pool of Bethsaida, and what he saw was almost too much to comprehend. It was him standing fully alert. Wow. When he finally turned around, the stranger was gone, vanished into the crowd. No matter 
He was completely well. His physical ailment was gone, and his mercy healing had happened, and he hadn't even touched the water. Carrying his mat, he left the colonnade and headed home. On the way, he passed a group of devout Jews, and one called to him, Hey, it's Sabbath. You're not supposed to be carrying your mat. (laughs) And for Jews, they're not allowed to do any work on the Sabbath, not even carrying their mat. And the former invalid matter-of-factly replied, The man who healed me, that man said to me, Take your mat and walk. The devout Jews exchanged glasses. Well, who is this man who said this to you? They asked. Take up your mat and walk. And all eyes were on him when the man shrugged his shoulders. He, He didn't know who it was. And so he went on his way, and the devout Jews were speechless and suspicious. Later that day, the man who was now healed went to the temple. Imagine that, going to the church after you've had a healing. For 38 years, he had not been able to cross the threshold because of his diseased condition. And now he was healed. Now he was whole, and he could go to church. This was the day he had longed for. He couldn't wait to worship God and pay alms out of gratitude. Finally, after all these years, a merciful blessing. See, you are well, a voice said from behind him. And he turned around and he saw the stranger, this time face to face. And a glorious smile spread across the man's face. It was an answer enough for the stranger who had healed him. And the stranger, Jesus, said to him, Sin no more, so that nothing worse may happen to you. Immediately the man knew whom he was talking to, who had healed him. It was Jesus of Nazareth, the man everyone was talking about in Jerusalem, the miracle maker, the one who claimed to be the Son of God, the living water. Ah, what an ironic blessing. While the paralyzed man had gone to the pool and he couldn't get down to the healing waters, the healing water had come to this man liberating him physically and spiritually and emotionally. And Jesus said, go, sin no more, so that nothing worse may happen to you. Without knowing why, maybe overwhelmed by Jesus, the man had the answer to his his question, the questions of the devout Jews. He knew the answer, and it was Jesus, the great physician, the Son of God. And so, when all else failed, Jesus healed him because Jesus singled him out from all the others and now he was whole. What a story, right? What a God. Even today, God wants to free us from every burden, every sin and oppression. Remember Randy reading this morning from Matthew chapter 11. That's a great story too. And it says this, come to me all who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Well, I'm so glad we had the blessings of the backpacks today, reminding us that too often we fill our spiritual backpack with so much junk, right? Heavy things like pain and shame and fear and regret and anger, any unconfessed sin, and that weighs us down. 
There is nothing worse than seeing somebody struggle with a backpack filled with unnecessary, useless, heavy burdens. Especially when Jesus invites us to put down our heavy laden burdens and take up his yoke, which is to say, take up his rest. Scripture encourages us time and time again to find our help and our hope in Jesus as he asks us, he asks you, do you want to be made well? Do you want to release your heavy burdens and find peace? And Jesus invites us to say yes, and the choice is always ours. It's true. The Holy Spirit, once we say yes, renews our mind and our hearts. It, it heals our shattered hearts. And it happens the moment we say yes to Jesus. The moment we choose Christ's hope and faith, we choose life in Christ. Now, Jesus, he doesn't want just lip service. He requires life service. That's a write-me-down. And I pray, I pray, brothers and sisters, that we will have the wisdom, the courage, the faith, and the hope to accept God's great gift in Jesus Christ. And to that, I can only say amen. Amen. What is our response? Because we are called to respond when we hear the word of God and when the spirit stirs within us. Our response, like the formerly paralyzed man, you come to church. That's what we did today. We immediately go to the temple of God to worship God. We praise God. We thank God by giving of our life, our service, our gifts. What will your response be today? Let's stand and sing a song of praise. The doxology is how we praise God today. And let's sing the song together. Along with your response, you're invited now to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, either here in this congregation of United Methodists or wherever you are, serving God. When we leave this place, we say our mission statement. This is the statement that you wrote, but it is certainly in line with what God would have you do. So can we say that together? The mission of Halotus Hills United Methodist Church is to make new disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. If we hold on to this mission, we will not go wrong no matter what direction we go. When we start straying from this mission, then we get into trouble, then we get into arguments, then we get into nonsense. So I implore you, brothers and sisters, through the power of Jesus Christ, with the blessing of the Holy Spirit, go forth into the world to do this mission. Amen? Amen. What a glorious day in service we've had today. We've heard Jesus question to you. And now you can choose your response. Are you going to pick up your burdens and carry them back into the world or leave them here for Christ? I hope the answer is leave them here for Christ. You're awful quiet this morning. Will you take them with you or leave them? Leave them. Hallelujah. Do you want to be healed? Yes. Yes. 
them be healed in the name of Christ Jesus. Go forth from this place, renewed, restored, and carrying the light of Christ in yourself. Amen? Amen. Amen.